0: Content warning. Tone Deaf is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the shows we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back.
1: Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically-challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically-challenged. Doesn't it feel good to be done with, like, Christmas movies and stuff, and to be on the precipice of 2021? Looking over the edge and going, (laughs) It can't... Wait, where's something wooden? Where's some... Here's something wood. Here's something wood. It can't get worse than 2020.
0: See, I feel like that I uh, am standing at this this precipice, and there's all this, this fog, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, it could be a foot step down and into, you know, the Great Valley, or it could be a foot step down and a sheer drop into a spiky, molten... Cave full of of uh, horribleness, and uh, yes. we're just gonna have to wait and see. Yes, we are. Just gonna have to wait and see. We're kind of uh, living in a in a Schrodinger's New Year type mm-hmm. of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a good New Year. It's gonna be a bad New Year. Should all the acquaintance be forgot and, and never brought to mind? mind? <laughs> oh, oh man. So that being said. Thank you all for joining us for this awesome year of tone-deaf, this crazy year, this wild as fuck, what the fuck was this year even, year? The the, the longest year, I think, in human history. Yes, and I, I want to bring up something, because I don't really talk about this enough, but you know, I, I feel that this, it it, it sucks that we haven't been able to see anything live, like at a theater, but that did afford us some opportunities to look at movie musicals, which still count. Yes. They still count as musicals. And so I'm showing you through this journey, all of the uh, the ways that you can still experience theater without being in the theater. The theater. So, the theater. But that's to bring about that we are watching another adaptation for film of a this time it's a stage play so instead of a musical but I don't care. It's August Wilson so we're gonna do it. It has music in it. It has music in it. It's about music sort of. Um, We are going to be talking about August Wilson's play Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. As presented by Kay's Black Bottom. (laughs) <laughs> Ow! so I, I kind of struggled with how I was going to present this one to you, because on the one hand, I want to tell you all of the ins and outs of this play, but I also want to save some of that for February for our all ages shows, because this is an important show and we'll get into that in a moment but I didn't wanna throw you in head first. So the way that my presentation is, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about the playwright. Again, more detailed will be done uh, most likely this February. And then I wanna talk a little bit about the play itself. And then I wanna talk a little bit about Chadwick Boseman because it's been long enough that I think I can talk about him without crying. We'll see. A caveat, though, when I was doing my research on Chadwick Boseman, I realized we're going to have to dedicate a whole episode to him, and possibly multiple episodes to him, and I'll get into that. Oh no!
0: I don't want to talk about one of the coolest people that's ever lived.
1: Yeah, I'll get into why, specifically for our podcast, talking about Chadwick Boseman would be a very good idea. So, let's first talk about um, the playwright. So this will be, uh, oh, oh, and before I get any further, I was going to talk a little bit about Ma Rainey, but there is actually, and we're going to have the trailer for his show in the intermission, but there is an amazing episode on One Mike Black History Podcast all about Ma Rainey, uh, the actual person that, is a character in this play. Please go check that out to learn more about her. And also just check out One Mike Black History Podcast anyway, because it and Black History Buff are the two best history podcasts that I've ever listened to. Like, they're just, it's mind-blowing. So there we go. That's that little introduction to my introduction. To the introduction. I've been introduced. You've been introduced. All right. So now I'm going to introduce you to August Wilson. He was born April 27th, 1945, as Frederick August Keitel. He was the child of Daisy Wilson, a black cleaning woman, and Frederick August Keitel, a German immigrant. He had five siblings and was the oldest of the boys. Daisy did most of the work caring for the children, partly because 1940s and partly because the older Frederick was mostly absent. Uh, August Wilson's childhood was mostly spent in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and his first five years were spent living in a two-bedroom apartment above a grocery store um, in the Hill District, which was a, prominently, er, a predominantly black, Italian, and Jewish neighborhood that was economically depressed. Due to his biracial heritage, he and his siblings had a very difficult time because they didn't fit in with any of the cultures in the area, and it was something that he talked about struggling with until later life, something I kind of gel with too, and it does show up a lot in his works, that issue with what is my identity, because I'm not, I don't fit in with the folks who I look the most like, but I also don't fit in with white society either, or with what will eventually be considered white society. Um, So it's, it's very much a struggle that shows up in his plays, and we'll talk more about that later in February, most likely. So, it wasn't until the 1950s when his mother divorced Frederick and married David Bedford that he left the Hill District to live in the predominantly white neighborhood of Hazelwood. You can imagine the hostility his family faced here. At one point, a brick got thrown through their window because here's this uh, interracial family in a white neighborhood. So, um... Gotta share that good Christian charity. God... So all of, all of his childhood shaped the Pittsburgh cycle of plays. They're a series of 10 plays that August Wilson wrote, each set in a different decade of the 20th century. And this is where most of his famous works are from. Uh, they include Fences, Ma Rainey's, The Piano Lesson, Jitney, all shows that I do want us to cover at some point. So after his father's death in 1965, Frederick August Keitel changed his name to August Wilson to honor his mother. He also discovered uh, Bessie Smith, who was a blues musician, and began to write wherever and however he could. He wrote on a $10 stolen typewriter for a while, that he kept pawning whenever uh, things would get too tight. He would write on napkins in the back of cafes. He would write just on whatever he could get. And he began to work on his voice. He began to... His, his style is very unique. And again, we'll cover that as we get further into his plays. Um, in 1968, he co-founded the Black Horizon Theater in the Hill District with his friend Rob Penny. And his first play, Recycling, was performed for 50 cents a ticket. This is also where Jitney, one of the plays in the Pittsburgh Cycle, got its start. Unfortunately, this theater dissolved in the 70s, but the New Horizon Theater was founded in the 90s as a tribute to it. So now on to a little bit about Ma Rainey's. It is, like I said, it's a part of the Pittsburgh Cycle. It was first uh, sort of staged. It was sort of workshopped in 1982, and it's the fictionalized record, fictionalized account of the recording of the song, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is a self-titled song by the actual blues musician and one of the creators of the classic blues, Gertrude Ma Rainey Pridget. And she wrote this music. She wrote this song. Again, for a biography of Ma Rainey, go to One Mike Black History podcast. Go listen to that one. Um, we're, we're mostly focusing on the play itself rather than the actual person, because I feel like Mike did a very good job on uh, covering Ma Rainey herself. Now, Ma Rainey's is not a musical, but I don't care. We're doing it. (laughs) So, the stage play is going to take place in two locations. It's a band band room and a recording studio in 1927 Chicago. Now, this will be changed for the movie, because it's a movie. Movies, generally, you want to move to multiple locations. So, Um, Much like August Wilson's other plays, this will explore racism, with this one emphasizing struggles that black recording artists have to deal with with the white producers, and something that's still a thing to this day in every goddamn field. Every field. Music, theater. It's not immune to racism, as we've talked about a lot in this podcast. Doesn't matter where you are, it's going to pop up. So, it's like the world's worst version of Whack-A-Mole. Yeah, it, it is the world's worst version of Matt Whack-A-Mole. Um, this will be the second play of Wilson's to be brought to film by someone who we both adore, Denzel Washington. Uh, in fact, he has been quoted as saying, I'm just here to take care of this man's work, put the best actors and directors around it, and make the movies. Uh, when he was asked about the fact that he's basically preserving Wilson's memory and legacy. Uh, because without someone there to make sure that this gets seen, it would go the way of the anonymous lover, and so the fact that we have you, folks who can—you mean go the way of the
0: uh, go the way of the anonymous lover by being like just swept under yeah. the rug and forgotten because racism?
1: Yes, and so because we have people proactively trying to preserve it and immortalize it in film, which is a lot harder to sweep under the rug than having the uh, folios of a playwright suddenly disappear. I mean, now that we're even in the digital era, it's even easier because it's not like we have silver nitrate that explodes. It's yeah, it's easier to preserve. Once it's on the internet, it's there forever. <laughs> exactly. Nothing dies on the internet. Um, and Denzel... Is a hero in a lot of ways, including being a hero for another hero who I wish so badly was still around to continue making his impact. Whew. Chadwick Aaron Bozeman was born november twenty ninth nineteen seventy six in Anderson, South Carolina. He was the son of Carolyn Bozeman, a nurse, and Leroy Bozeman, a textile worker. He practiced martial arts, was on the basketball team of T.L. Hanna High School, but it was in his junior year when he started getting into theater. He wrote a play in his junior year after one of his teammates was killed uh, in commemoration of this teammate. It was called Crossroads. This is what led to the transition from basketball to theater. With his college career beginning at Howard University, uh, originally, they were like, oh, are you going to go in for basketball? And he's like, no, I'm going in for theater. And at Howard, he wrote his, his next play, which was Hieroglyphic Graffiti. Hmm. He was mentored by Felicia Rashad, Claire Huxtable, um, for those who don't know who Felicia, Felicia Rashad is. Um, and she and Denzel helped pay for him and his classmates to attend Oxford's summer program at the British American Drama Academy. Uh, Bozeman originally wanted to be a writer and director, but his studies, of act, his studies of acting so that he could better relate to his actors led him down the acting path. Uh, he studied Shakespeare, Beckett, who wrote Waiting for Godot. Uh, he studied Harold Pinter. And when he was in Ghana, what, during his college career, he worked with his professor on what he called one of the most significant learning experiences of his life. He worked to preserve the rituals there and present them on the stage. That's cool. Yeah. Um whew. he had the same desire that honestly a lot of us have to connect with these roots that have been severed and can't easily be reconnected. After all, after a certain point, all that we all that our family history is, is lists for a cargo ship. Names, villages, languages, cultures, we all lose that tie. Um, that's that's a very Black Diaspora experience. And um, Chadwick even mentioned at one point, uh, referencing this, he identified a lot closer to Killmonger mm-hmm. than had to T'Challa his way through life. Yeah. And, yeah, whew. All right, I can do this. Uh, he first graduated with his bachelor's from Howard in 2000. His career began in Brooklyn, where he was named a Drama League directing fellow and directed George C. Wolfe's Colored Museum, a show that I'm planning on covering next year because I friggin' love that show. Um, and uh, George C. Wolfe is actually going to be the director for this. So it's kind of this... It's it's a little bit of a bookend for him that his one of his first real professional gigs was directing one of George C. Wolfe's plays. And one of Chadwick Boseman's last uh, performances is being directed by George C. Wolfe. Mm-hmm. So it's it's. Whew. <sighs> so he worked for the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture as an instructor from 2002 to 2009 beginning his acting career in 2002 with an Odelco Award for his 2002 performance in Urban Transitions. His work was a part of the hip-hop theater movement, which I want to see if we can cover this year, um, with his plays Hieroglyphic Graffiti and Rhyme Deferred being parts of it. Um, and I want to say Hieroglyphic Graffiti is the one that's like, more experimental than even the experimental hip-hop theater was. Like, breaking even more boundaries. I I was going to go on, but like I said, I want us to do a whole Chadwick episode and a whole series of Chadwick episodes because I don't feel like I can do him justice in just this episode. And I also want to try and find copies of his plays so that we can cover them one of these years. Um, This is his final film role. Not ready to say goodbye. Glad that he's immortalized in film, though. But damn, I am lying if I say it doesn't hurt that we lost him before he could do even more and this isn't just even film and theater he was an amazing human being um the the more that i learned about him the more my heart really breaks cuz we i i feel like we didn't appreciate him fully like he was he was very he was a he was very philanthropic uh one of his last acts actually was to donate $42 million in PPE to hospitals in black communities that were being hit hardest oh by COVID. It's
2: amazing.
1: And he launched Operation 42, uh, the Operation 42 challenge to encourage that donation from other communities. So, like, when we say it hurts losing Chadwick, it hurts. Um, and, of course, he's been in... Not just with Black Panther, but he was amazing even before that. And, God, I remember finding out he was cast as T'Challa and just being like, Holy shit! <laughs> Chadwick Boseman's T'Challa! He's amazing! And, ah, oh, damn. It's it's rough. Um, And, like, this whole cast is powerhouses, but... who his is the one that's gonna hurt the most of seeing this is the first time that we'll be seeing this version of it um, because it is it is brand new on Netflix, so y'all go watch it. Go watch this one. Um, definitely Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is not a biopic. Like I said, go check out One Mike Black History to learn about the real Ma Rainey. This is more of a dramatization and dealing with a way to show the struggles of being an artist at that time and being an artist of color yeah being an artist of color especially a black artist because it's a very different it's a different dynamic with each different group um but august wilson put a lot of emotions in his plays he you deal with rage, you deal with heartbreak, you deal with struggles, but there are uplifting moments too. And that's why I really like August Wilson. So, uh, and August Wilson passed back in 2005. Uh, when I do a full biography on him for a February episode, we'll talk more about him. But, whew, I need to have us do an intermission. Do you have any questions before we go watch? <laughs> I'm good. Okay, let's uh, let me get some tissues, let's go watch some Bob Rainey's Black Bottom, and uh, do a toast to Chadwick. <sighs> let's go. Hey Warren. Hey Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our favorite people in the whole world? Heck yeah! Today, we would like to thank our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Reagan, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your support
0: of our show. We truly appreciate it.
1: And now, here's a trailer for one of my absolute favorite history podcasts, One Mike Black History Podcast.
3: Root Foster wanted to turn black baseball into America's game with black men standing toe-to-toe with their white Major League counterparts. To do this, Foster had his giants begin to emulate the ritual and the walk on the same turf as Major League teams with the intention to try to force-feed black professionalism into the white consciousness as a first step towards integration while continuing to stand on their own. As early as 1910, Foster would begin talk of reviving the concept of a National Negro League. Time is now at hand for the formation of Colors League should receive much consideration and in fact, I believe it's an absolute necessity. Foster was the driving force behind the formation of the National Negro League and its governing body and in February 1920 African American owners would convene in the YMCA in Kansas City to discuss the prospect of the National Association of Colored Professional Baseball Clubs. Foster surprised them all and would show up with the official charter document for the Negro National League already in hand and wanted to ratify the creation of the league. The group of Rube's Chicago American Giants, C.I. Taylor's Indianapolis ABCs, Joe Green's Chicago Giants, John Mathis, Dayton Marcos, Charles Mills, St. Louis Giants, and JL Wilkinson's Kansas City Monarchs and rounded out with the Cuban stars. The Negro League created a forum where many players could make big names for themselves particularly for white audiences. Future Hall of Famers Papa Cool Bell, Bill Foster, Judy Johnson, Satchel Page, Turkey Stearns all flourished in the Negro National League along with many others. The Negro National League would inspire the rival organizations such as the Southern Negro League, the Eastern Colored League, which all score off against the Negro National League squads and the National Negro League World Series until 1927. Foster would continue to serve as the Negro National League's league president until a gas leak in his hotel room in Indianapolis left him unconscious and he almost died. This This led to his retirement in 1926, and he died of a heart attack in 1930. Without Ruth Foster's guidance, the financial hardships of the Great Depression forced the Negro League to shut down in 1931.
0: Many hundreds of years ago, in the faraway land of the North, there dwelt a special kind of magic, the magic of imagination. And nowhere
3: did this light shine brighter than in the heart of a kindly toy maker named Nicholas Kringle. The toy maker loved children, most of all his
0: own son, whom he named Chris. But the land was ruled by a wicked snow
1: queen. You cannot escape from me, toy maker's son.
0: I assure you, young master Kringle, we elves are
1: very real, and we shall teach you to make toys which will bring happiness to children all over the world.
3: Young Santa Claus and the Winter Solstice, written and directed by Patrick and Paul Gibbs.
1: And now the lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. So, what did you think of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? So quick question. Did you
0: know have you do you did you know of this play before we watched it? Yes.
1: <sighs> but, uh, and yes, I knew the ending before we watched it. It's <sighs> Like, not the movie's ending, but the ending of the play ending. Yeah. Because the movie adds on another element to the ending that the play doesn't that well, I'm know. pretty sure was aimed as like a... Uh, 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 we'll get to the ending. But... I mean, it's a little bit of a kick you while you're down. yeah. It's definitely a kick you while you're down. Thanks, <laughs> August Wilson. It's
0: really first off, I would like to start by saying It's really good. It's mm-hmm. really well acted. Music in it is is excellent. Um this is another another this is another episode of Warren Hates Racists and Warren wants to beat racists, and Warren wants to be time traveler with modern day weaponry. Uh <laughs> like holy shit. There are some really really dark moments to mm-hmm. this that I was not prepared for. Yeah. I was really not prepared for. Uh the show tricked me because the way it opens up I was like, "Oh god, something bad's about to happen." And then it didn't happen because it's like, "Haha, sucker. We're gonna tell we're gonna make you Make you hate people later. Through monologues. Through monologues. Through very impassioned, well-delivered, emotional monologues. And I already knew that Chadwick was a phenomenal actor. Mm Mm-hmm. But holy shit.
1: Yep. Holy shit. Yep. It's... And because we are not in February yet, you can swear... Oh, I don't need to. (laughs) You'll need
0: to. I I am well aware of the confines of my verbal choices (laughs) during the month of February. It is not February. I'm going to say
1: fuck because fuck the white people in this. Yeah, it's... And it's one of those things where it's like, it's... Yes, the Ma Rainey stuff is dramatized, but everything that they go through is stuff that we went through at yeah. that time, like it's it's just because it's dramatized from Ma Rainey's aspect, it's still real.
0: It's still real as fuck. It's one of those situations where it's it's. I kind of think of it with like photo editing. You you make the the darks a little darker, the lights a little lighter, and you make mm-hmm. the saturation, make the colors pop. You know, it's it's one mm-hmm. of those. You tweak it a bit to make it. Uh, pop more, mm-hmm. and this 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 popped this popped on off in my brain, mm. and my brain went ah!
1: <coughs> a bit. <sighs> I am glad <sighs> though that uh, I because I had forgotten that August Wilson did have uh, Ma Rainey be bisexual. So I'm glad that that stayed in for both the movie and the play because she was bi. By power, in fact, she was pretty much proto-feminism. <laughs> she... Like, the the women can do the same shit that men can do, including smoking, drinking, <laughs> carrying on. She being...
0: <laughs> Ma, Ma Rainey uh, is a diva. She is boisterous. <clears throat> she is loud. Mm-hmm. She is large and in charge. It is her way or the highway. Mm-hmm. She is very much... And it makes a lot of sense when talking about it uh, in the course of the show and, and from a historical aspect as well, because it's absolutely true that in that time frame, you know, and even and even now to an extent, mm-hmm. unless you can make somebody some money, they don't care about you. Exactly. Unless they can exploit your talent, they don't care about you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You're just another... another you're just another pebble on the road kind of thing mm-hmm. for them to step on. And it's, it's so there's, there's like this flip side where like, as you have these moments with Ma Rainey where she is very aggressive and very loud and very in charge. And, but at the same time, you know, she, you, I don't know anything about her and her backstory, but I'm sure it's, it's just like <clears throat> many people mm-hmm. throughout history in America, uh, where, They come from nothing, but they have a talent, so they're able to elevate themselves, and they Mm -hmm. become somebody,
1: you know, that society deems,
0: you know, of worth.
1: Yeah. I'll play uh, Mike's episode after this. Another plug for one Mike Black History podcast. I should have listened
0: to it before we did this.
1: (laughs) It's okay.
0: Okay. So, let's get into it. (sighs) The movie starts in the dead of night in a forest, and we see two young men running as we hear dogs barking in the distance. And I think, oh God, oh God, no, not like this. Don't start this show out with something horrible. And they I, didn't.
1: Yay! I am so sorry I traumatized
0: you during February. <laughs> I mean, no, even if I hadn't had stuff like that, I just, I know the time period, mm-hmm. and it's dark, and I see two young lads running, and I hear dogs barking. I'm thinking, oh God, the, the, they're being hunted. Like, mm-hmm. that was my first thought. They're being mm-hmm. hunted. And just, ugh, ugh. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm fine. so glad
0: that wasn't the case, though. Yeah. But, ugh. It just turns out that these two young men were running to eagerly stand in line so they could listen to a woman sing in a barn. She's apparently very popular, and the crowd is eating it up. After the intro bit, we see uh, animated newspapers telling of the Great Migration. Lots of southern black men and women are moving north for work. The scene, uh... The scene moves from a newspaper to a nightclub with the same woman who was previously singing in the barn. She's now in said nightclub, and we see a young man, played by Chadwick, blowing on a horn and staring at a pretty young lady who's dancing to the blues. Chadwick moves front stage and steals the spotlight from who I suspect is Ma Rainey. Ma Rainey doesn't take that kindly to having the spotlight stolen and calls for it to be placed back on her. Chadwick ducks out with a grin on his
1: face. Ma Rainey and her dancing girls make the spotlight happy and continue their song. I do want to point out, um, I loved the way that they did the newspapers. Yes! Where one person... Would come to life in the image because they were actual photographs, and then they would come to life from that photograph. Yeah, to kind of be that bridge to history. It was it was very it was a very good artistic choice because, mm-hmm. like you're saying, they're real um,
0: photographs in newspapers, and then you'd have it animate, and it's like it it like you're talking about it. It removes that historical boundary and mm-hmm. it makes it more. These were real people,
1: you know, living their lives and trying to to. Pursue the American dream, you know? Yep, and man, Great Migration, that's a period of history we'll cover, and. (laughs) (sighs) It's just. Yeah.
0: It's just white people suck in the South, and then black people move north, and white people suck in the North. After the song ends, we see two businessmen testing a microphone Irv and Mel. Mel is telling Irv that he better keep this Ma Rainey person in line, even if she is the mother of the blues. Irv tells Mel to calm his tits, and he rushes out of the room to welcome the band members who are now rolling in. Irv uh, Irv inquires where Chadwick, the horn player, is, and his band members are like, Shrug, he should be here in any minute. And as the men are escorted in, we are told and told where to set up. We see Chadwick's character chasing some
1: Black Bottoms of his own that walk by. (laughs) This is before I told you Black Bottom was a dance. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but... Mm -hmm.
0: It's, uh, it still works. I mean, I also appreciate Black Bottoms. but uh, Yes, so Chadwick, the horn player, is a horn dog and is chasing some uh, pretty ladies who walk on by before the scene returns to the band members. Dog. Mm-hmm. As, before, as the scene returns to the band members who are setting up, they shoot the shit a bit and talk trash about their horny horn player who apparently <laughs> is late because he wanted to get himself a nice new pair of shoes because every musician knows you can't play the
1: blues unless you've got nice shoes okay mm. yeah yeah it's it's why uh i lament the fact that i will never be able to find nice shoes in my size at least nice shoes that would match what uh society deems as gender appropriate for me because i could wear men's shoes but society goes you got tits you must wear Women's shoes even though I'm like, but I not identify with women completely. No, wear women's shoes. Fuck you. I have a size twelve. Your bitch stompers. Thirteen on a good day. <laughs> <laughs> I will wear whatever fits my bitch
0: stompers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These boots were made for walking. And that's just what they'll do. If you give me shit about my feet, I'll walk all over you. I love you. I love you. (coughs) Thanks for that bit of info, Kay. You're welcome. Anyways, Chadwick's character, Levy, finally shows up to showcase his brand new shoes, and how he can finally play some good music now. Levy may have had a drink on his way, because he's starting to uh, inquire about a particular door in the room, and insists that it was not there before. Levy's compatriots are like, psh, you're crazy, you wouldn't know your left from your right. Levy gets some shit to his, uh, from his compatriots and gives some shit in return about how they're not as talented as him and how he's going to have his own band because he's got talent. The band tells Levy to get ready for rehearsing and Levy is like, nah, I'm gonna work on my own music. My horn skills are so good, I don't need to rehearse. The band tells Levy to get his ass in gear and rehearse, and Levy gets all huffy, but he's like, fine, we'll rehearse, but I wanna do my version. The others are like, no, we do Ma's version, cuz we are Ma's musicians, not Levy's musicians. And it's all about this time that Irv walks in to be like, hey, do any of you know what's keeping Ma Rainey's Black Bottom from getting here on time? (laughs) And they're like, no, but we're sure she's on her way. And before Irv can duck out again, Cutter, the trombone player, is like, Hey, Irv, these songs on our rehearsal list, some of them we have multiple versions of, like, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. What version do you want? Irv, who is basically just horny for the future prospect of money that he's gonna be making (laughs) off of exploiting these black musicians, is like, uh, Levy's version, whatever, I don't care, just rehearse the songs on the list. And then he ducks out, leaving Cutter with this fuck, expression on his face and Levy's shit-eating grin. Levy's grin is ear-to-ear and he starts telling the rest of the band what and how to play, even though they've made it clear that they play what Ma Rainey wants them to play.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of which, we see Ma descending the stairs of a hotel, I think, with a male and female compatriot in hand, uh, catching looks from all the patrons as they walk out of the establishment. So, initially we speculated that she had both a male and female lover in this scene, mm-hmm. but we learn later that it is. I her... had forgotten it was
1: the nephew. Yeah, it's, it's... the play is diff. The play's a little different because you don't have these establishing shots of mm-hmm. like leaving the hotel and stuff. You just have her bring her nephew into the recording studio. Her nephew and her girlfriend being like, my nephew's recording this. But he stutters, my nephew's yeah. recording this. If you want me here,
0: he's going to be recording. So yeah. I do have a question about this. Because so, we see her descending the stairs with her nephew, Sylvester, and her, her female compatriot, Dessie May.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now,
1: is it established in this that Dessie May is her girlfriend? Yes, that is established in the movie and the play.
0: Okay, I guess I missed that bit. I know they say that she's Ma Rainey's girl. Yes, but... and it is very much Ma Rainey's girlfriend. Okay. Because, okay, because then Dessie Mae is definitely bisexual as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, But I was just curious about that because I wasn't sure initially if she was, like, a protege no. or what. I mean, she kind of is because they do make a comment later that yeah. Ma Rainey taught Dessie Mae how to sing and yeah. and all that. All she does is imitate her is what she does. But
1: there's, there's a very sexual scene between there really those is. two that was whew, there, steamy. <laughs> there mm. really is, which made me laugh <laughs> because I... I uh, i don't know i <laughs> i mean i would let viola davis touch me that way so i <laughs> can't get over all the metal in her teeth well so ma rainey did that stylistically had Ooh. had gold teeth because because she was like a style icon too just very much like i don't care you're getting what you're getting whatever yeah. i want to wear i'm gonna be big i'm gonna be boisterous Fuck you. Yeah, she was was very much the Mm -hmm. the largest presence in the room. Yep.
0: Very commanding. Yes. Back to the band members in the basement, Levy tries to launch into the, this is how you play my version. And the gang, after some tuning, start to play, and Toledo, the pianist, is like, you youngins ain't doing much with your lives to make the colored man's life better in America. All you want to do is have a good time all the time. Levy punctuates just how little he cares about Toledo's opinion by blowing his trumpet in his face. Cutler tells Toledo not to waste his breath his br- <laughs> Don't waste your breasts. Don't waste your breath on that fool. Levy and Toledo call, uh, Levy, yeah, don't waste your breath on that fool, Levy, and Toledo calls Levy the devil. This launches- this uh, launches Slow Drag, the bassist, into a story about the real devil who signed up a bunch of musicians and stole their souls. Levy is like, "Hell yeah! I'd sign up to get. I'd sign up too. I'd get people to sign up for that kind of money." <laughs> Cutler calls Levy a blasphemer who's going to get struck down, and Levy is like, "I'm right here, God. Come and get me." A bit, yeah. There is a oh, foreshadowing. There like is some that. there is some banter in the first act of this that comes back later and has completely different meaning. Mm-hmm. And I was not prepared. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! A bit. Welcome to August Wilson.
1: Wait <laughs> <sighs> <Eight sighs> till we do fences,
0: man, and jitney. I am a, I am I am a thin-skinned white boy when it comes to. The shit that white people have done to non-white people
1: just makes me... Uh, Someday we'll figure out time... I mean, I heard that they figured out sending particles back in time, long distance. Maybe they'll figure out how to send I can shoot laser beams back, back in time. In time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, can we just gather all the racists and put them on their own little island and let them all just be racist together? Because I'm sure they'll all find differences among each other to hate. And then they'll just whittle themselves down. No boats. Don't give them boats. Don't give
1: them any way to get off that island.
0: No, I mean, a lot of them are fans of, you know, those battle
1: royale games. So we'll just drop them from airplanes with parachutes. And wherever they land, they get to make their own little kingdom. Has to be a completely uninhabited island. Like, no animals either. Well, I mean, that's going to be kind of hard. As long as there's no people. There's volcanic islands that you can drop them on. Maybe into a volcano.
0: (laughs) See, I'm trying to be a little less uh, in your face about wanting them out of the way in case, just like,
1: ah, can we just,
0: can we just strap them to anchors and push them in the ocean? I mean, <laughs> accomplishes the same thing. It does. <laughs> no, no, no. We tell we we gather up all the racists, we drop them on an uninhabited island, battle royale style, and then we just televise it, and it'll be you know, and then the the last racist standing, the last racist standing is to be king of island fuckhead.
1: And then we drop him in a volcano. Well, they're out of the way. They're not bothering anybody else. Just let him do that. Uh, he'll figure out a way off that island. Drop him in a well, volcano. Well, then he gets dropped into a volcano. Uh huh. Ain't allowed back. <laughs> exactly. You have been yeeted out of society. Let the rest of us who want to get along get along. We haven't figured out the sun rocket yet. That'd <laughs> <laughs> sell for a cannon. Throw him on Venus. No suit.
0: It reminds me of a topic of conversation had had uh, at work uh, talking about pet peeves. And I was talking mm-hmm. about one of the biggest pet peeves for me is people who do not return shopping carts.
1: Oh my god.
0: And if I had my own dictator island, people who didn't do that, their punishment would be launched out of a catapult that's shaped like a
1: shopping cart into the ocean. Mm-hmm. thing is, is that this pandemic has told us who also does not tr- return shopping carts. If you don't return shopping carts, you're not wearing a mask either.
0: You know, I think that's probably true, because Mm -hmm. when I've gone shopping, everybody I see returning a cart has a goddamn mask on. Mm -hmm. So, anyways. Anyway, Uh. wow. Okay, tangent. Tangent, the podcast. Let's get back to talking about (laughs) black musicians being taken advantage of by white record producers. A bit more of pissing back and forth. A bit more of pissing back and forth between our band members, and we see Ma Rainey arriving crashing into her car, well, crashing her car into another car. Irv rushes out to be like, Ah, my black meal ticket! What's wrong? How can I fix it? And a seemingly racist cop is like, She said this, and then he said that, but she wouldn't let him say, uh, some Somebody got knocked out is what I'm trying to get to. Irv takes the cop aside and greases his palm. The cop tells everyone, because there's a crowd that's gathered, to disperse. And Irv leads uh, Ma Rainey and her nephew and uh, Dussy May into the recording studio. So, like, in this scene, her nephew, it's in, like, we don't quite see it. I don't know if the nephew
1: actually hit a car, or mm-hmm. if the nephew got bumped into. I think he might have gotten bumped into, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah,
0: I'm not 100% sure about that, but... It became a scuffle because, you know, of course, angry white man is yelling at black person over, mm-hmm. over Fender Bender, and then a cop shows up, and of course he's only listening to the white side of the story, mm-hmm. and Ma Rainey is not having any of that mm. shit. And then they're saying that she assaulted this guy and pushed him to the ground. And they're like, "He bumped
1: into me and fell down, kind of." Yeah, because Ma Rainey's a bigger, a bigger lady, kind of thing. So that's very possible. Chances are he bumped into her and then did that thing that soccer players do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm down. My shin is
0: shattered. I'll never play again. Ah. But anyway, um, yeah. And so Irv, Mel's, uh, Irv Ma Rainey's. Uh, manager, manager. Uh, yes, manager. Manager comes out and, you know, he's, he's, of course, you know, money, money, money. He, he just wants the money. So he's mm-hmm. like, takes the cop aside, gives him some money. He's like, let's smooth this all over. The cop's like, well, yeah, it's 1920 something and I'm corrupt as fuck. So. Oh, yeah. I'm in Chicago. I'm in Chicago. But yeah, so that gets solved and everybody gets. Again,
1: Taylor's as oldest as time. Um, right. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So. Corrupt Keystone cop aside. <laughs> Mel bitches to Irv in
0: the office about this black woman who is late to her recording, gets in a fight with a cop, complains about the studio being too hot, trips over a mic cord, then threatens to sue me? So she's a diva, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Desi May is is a pretty young black woman, and Ma Rainey is like, I've never been in a recording studio before. And Ma Rainey comes up behind her and kinda gropes and smooth-talks her and... Desi may op- it, It's this is the scene that Kay was talking about because Desi may is like, is is just kind of like wide eyed, just like oh this is cool, this mm-hmm. is new and exciting, and she I can't remember. Does she go up to a mic and pretends to sing into it? Yes. And
1: then that's when Ma Rainey comes up behind her and is like, and there's her the hands. obligatory butt shot as she's waving her butt back and forth, dancing at the mic. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason. Yeah. There is yeah. a, there
0: is a reason that that people will have their butts cut open and basically get breast implants in their butts to make their butts more like black people butts, <laughs> because mm-hmm. they don't have the butts. Uh, <laughs> so never let anybody make you feel bad for your natural gifts, because there is somebody out there paying a mm-hmm. surgeon to
1: make them have fake ones. I tell you, like, side sidebar, growing up, I felt bad about my butt. Because I was the only black girl in a group of white girls. And it was always like, oh, I'm so fat. Oh, we don't want to be fat. And, like, big butts were a problem. And this is even in elementary school. And I had a big butt in elementary school. I've (laughs) I've seen... That's the thing. I've seen your your
0: child photos. You had a cute little black girl butt. And Mm -hmm. it's just... It's just only gotten cuter, and now it's a a beautiful woman black butt.
1: And it was one of those things, though, where, like, I felt bad about my butt. And so I would wear baggy pants so that you couldn't see my butt. I would do all sorts of stuff. And then my dad also would make me feel—he fat-shamed me starting at eight— and I wasn't fat at eight. No. <laughs> I was very skinny.
0: You want to know how to give a child an eating disorder. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so it, it was one of those things where like, P- people suck is where I'm going here. People, people do suck. suck. And I haven't had enough coffee to deal with people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm people. Are you dealing with me okay? You're more than people. You are husband. <gasps> husband is more than people. It's like husband people... is better than people. It's like people 2.0. People 2.0. Point... <laughs> people 5.0. <5. 0. gasps> I'm five times people.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's weird. Anyways, so yes. Desi May is pretending to sing. Uh, well, she is singing. And Ma mm-hmm. Rainey does her kind of gropey hip grinding on her. And that's where, cause that's where I was initially... Kissing on her neck. Yeah, or... that's initially where I was confused. Because I was like, I thought maybe she was her niece or she was her nephew's girlfriend, but no. But no, it looks like Desime is uh, Ma Rainey's, you mm-hmm. know, arm candy sort of mm-hmm. thing, which, hey, you know, more power to him. Can we all be so lucky? <laughs> 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 Man, she's she's a, a very pretty young lady. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, after the Ma Rainey grope fest on Desime, <laughs> she hears a noise, and she walks over to a door and opens it, and she can hear from... The basement or a room down the hall, wherever it is, the band members playing their music, mm-hmm. and uh, they listen to the band down the hall. Ma is not happy about the changes to her song that she's hearing, and Irv is all, "But the people will like it." And we get to see Ma Rainey in her full diva force, telling Irv which way the wind blows with Ma Rainey and her black bottom. Ma Rainey <laughs> leads her nephew Sylvester down to meet the band, since he's going to be the one to introduce her in the song. And as they enter the band room, Ma Rainey lets the record uh, sets the record straight and stomps hard on Levy's version of Black Bottom. Ma Rainey tells Cutler to put Levy in his place and show Sylvester the ropes. And uh, we don't. So so so. I guess I'll just read my note, cause then we can talk about. Mm-hmm. Ma Rainey leaves, and Levy throws a hissy fit about how his version of the Black Bottom is better, and how once he gets his own band, he's gonna be big. Big, I tell you. The rest of the band laughs and mocks Levy as Cutler introduces Sylvester to the group and tell him his introduction part. Cutler gives Sylvester his lines, and as Sylvester tries to give them, we see that he has a pretty predominant stutter. Uh Levy is a complete dick about Sylvester's stutter, and taunts Cutler going, Fix that! Fix that! I'll pay you, was it, five bucks if you can fix that, kind of thing. Uh And, And he laughs and laughs. Sylvester basically tells Levy to fuck off. And Levy proceeds to tell Cutler that if he can fix Sylvester, he'll shine his shoes for him. Mm-hmm. And, like, because I'm trying to, the line that they tell Sylvester to give is, it's like, all right, folks, you've heard the rest. Now, now it's, time it's time for, for the bet. best. Ma Rainey's Black, or was it, uh, was he say Ma Rainey's Black Ma Bottom? Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. And so that's the line he's supposed to give, but anybody who knows what a stutter sounds like, you know, the it, he stutters on different parts, so that's the issue. Yeah. He has trouble getting through the whole the whole introductory line. Mm-hmm. It's about this time that Mel, Irv's boss slash partner or whatever, comes in and is all, "Are you rehearsing?" And Levy is like, "Yes, sir, Mister Mel, yes sir." And literally, that's uh-huh. what he says. They, yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mel asks to see Levy's songs that he's been writing, and Levy jumps to his feet, all super stoked, talking about how he's he's a uh, change this and that and that the folks are really gonna love it mel is like good good i'll uh i'll take a look at it when i give a chance but uh i'm gonna take this with me you know so i can take credit for it later and it will be Mm. my word against yours and Mm. you won't be able to do a damn thing about me stealing your music is Mm -hmm. and then mel leaves of course he doesn't say all that but as he takes the the sheet music that Levy has written, he's like, oh, I'll just... I'll take these with me. I'll hang yeah. out to them. Yeah, and it's and
1: one of those, like, no, no, as, no, 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 yeah. no, no. As oh, no.
0: soon as they were doing that, I would just had this... I wanted to reach to the screen and be like, Levy, don't trust the rich white man. <laughs> like, Don't no. trust him. Don't do it. No. You need a contract. Yeah. And even then... <laughs> uh, even then, contract and a just lawyer. Just don't trust him. Yeah. Run. The rest of the band starts making fun of Levy for jumping to the white man as soon as he came in. Mm-hmm. A lot of piss is thrown back and forth between the band and Lev- and Levy as the band tries to imply that uh, Levy is a... Um... Kay? Help a honky out with this part because I'm... <laughs> I'm too white
1: to say this part. <laughs> That's a word I haven't used in a long time. <laughs> Granted, it was on accident. I didn't know what horns were. <laughs> Basically calling him a coon. Yes. Which, I with this, and Levy gets into it, but Levy is playing it very smart at this point for the time because he does not hold any cards at all. He, he is very much in the I have to jump, or if they say jump, I have to say how high. But he makes a very good point in the next little monologue that it's like, keep in the back pocket of, once I once I can, <laughs> gonna get you, gonna get you. Thanks, Kay. You're welcome. So yeah, Levy gets into about how
0: uh they don't know the kind of blood that he has in him Mm. the kind of heart that beats in his chest
1: i should have warned you
2: oh oh, i should have warned you you
0: know i don't know i don't know you're fine not Mm -hmm. because like i said the intro to this movie i thought it was gonna go one way and then it, Mm -hmm. it didn't uh that's because they were lulling me into a false sense of uh of white security,
1: mm-hmm. with uh... I will say that unlike uh, other movies that have been released that are like, I'm thinking of movies like The Help or The Green Book, where it's very much through a white gaze. This is not, oh, <laughs> and oh. I think more movies like this need oh. to be released and make people uncomfortable. I'm sure any... that's the point of art.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure anybody <laughs> listening who, you know, anybody who's listened enough and knows me, I don't get uncomfortable as a white person being like, oh, they're talking about the shit that white people have done. I get, I get uncomfortable because I get fucking furious. Mm -hmm. And I just... Mm so much rage.
1: It, it's one of those things where if you and I had known each other uh, as kids, you probably would have been in the principal's office a lot.
0: I probably, and it would have been like, <laughs> they were being mean to her. Yeah. And that's why I punched <laughs> them in the face. Like, yep. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, j- I, I cannot, mm-hmm. I cannot emphasize how much I oppose racism and discrimination mm-hmm. along any lines just Mm -hmm. you know okay with exception uh the people in power can always go fuck themselves because Mm -hmm. they're the people in power absolutely so that is the only time as long as you're punching up i say discriminate away (laughs) anyways (laughs) levy
1: uh, send a turtle to the uh, guillotine uh, turtle soup motherfucker Mm.
0: levy then starts his very very mm-hmm. dark backstory. It's really, really, really fucked up.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm going to give a mercifully brief recap of it. Yep. Uh, Levy's family, and this so so this movie takes place in 1927. Yes. So we don't know how Levy says he's 30-ish. Right? Yeah. In so he would have
1: been around. So it, this he, is post Reconstruction. Yeah, it's post Reconstruction, but it's still. Jim Crow. Yeah. And Jim Crow was a response to Reconstruction. Yeah. So so let Levy tells a
0: story about when he was eight years old, so this would have been before well, I guess just after turn of the century, just mm-hmm. after nineteen hundred. Uh, still not a great time to be a uh, a black person in the South. Yeah. Still isn't. Still isn't. <laughs> so, but Levy talks about how his family had 50 acres of land, good land, that you could plant anything on, and his family worked really hard to get uh, that land so they could be independent. When Levy was eight, his dad went into town to get seeds and fertilizer. When he was gone, eight or nine white men came into the house and assaulted his mother, Levy tried to help her, and he even attacked one of the men with, one of, with his dad's knife, where he knew where he kept it. Uh, the man slashed, took the knife from Levy and slashed him across the chest with the knife. They stopped their assault on Levy's mom and left after they slashed the boy. Uh, Levy's mom wrapped him up in a blanket and took him to a racist doctor who said he didn't have time to treat him because mm. he was waiting on a calf to be born. Mm. Levy's mom then took him to a midwife who was able to patch him up. Levy's father got the names of the men from his mother, and then they sold their land and moved in with family elsewhere. After they got settled in, Levy's dad left, and he hadn't seen him since. Turns out, Levy's dad is fucking Batman, Mm -hmm. and he went back, he snuck back to their old Land, and he started to get revenge on the men who assaulted his wife. Levy's dad got about four of the men before the remaining four or five tracked him down and murdered him.
1: Mm, Lynched him.
0: Yeah, they said that he lynched and burned him. Yeah. Uh, Levy then tells the other band members that he learned how to deal with the white man from his father and that he'll grin in their face, sell his land, all while thinking about how he's going to get back at them.
2: Mm-hmm. So when
0: Kay is saying he's playing it smart, yeah, he's very much yes, sir. What what do you say, yeah, sir? Yeah, absolutely, he's... sir. Because he's just he knows that he he's not a Ma Rainey. He doesn't mm-hmm. have he can't uh, he can't impose his will. Uh, yeah, yet is is the the issue and just that. Oh my God, when we were uh, when we were watching that, I felt my stomach churn and just mm-hmm. like uh, yeah, yeah. Just absolutely, and I'm just sitting here like I. It sucks that his dad wasn't able to get more of them. Yeah, you know,
1: uh, just uh, yeah, yeah. It it's and this is sort of a thing. If you haven't listened to our Black History episodes, um, they are some of the only episodes where I don't say fuck. Yes. Uh, first off, go back and listen to them. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but second off. That's a theme in a lot of these shows because that's what fucking happened. Yeah, That is what fucking happened. And our history classes don't teach it because it's like, oh, well, we've got to keep people comfortable. Yeah, we've got to keep the white people comfortable. And it's like, no, that's not how you fix shit. It isn't how you reconcile with your past if you don't own up to
0: it mm-hmm. and educate younger generations so that they mm-hmm. are aware of the shit that went down so that they can proactively in their adult lives take the appropriate steps to ensure that atrocities like that are never n- happen exactly and to help and to help freaking you know that's kind of uh, i'm really proud of you know uh, generation z and and, mm-hmm. and millennials in general because mm-hmm. they tend to have a greater sense of social yeah. justice you know it's much more we're much more aware of the the lies and the sins of the past and mm-hmm. we're very much like this bullshit has gone on too long Absolutely. and it needs to not only stop but there needs to be for lack of a better word reparations mm-hmm. you know and not 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 necessarily being like here's a check okay yeah but being like hey you know these deeply ingrained systems of oppression they need mm-hmm. to be broken down dismantled mm-hmm. and then the funds that f- the funds that go into them distributed elsewhere to yes. better help everyone
1: yes that is absolutely what is
0: needed levy's story is uh, hard hitting mm-hmm. and it affects everyone in the room yep Mercifully, the scene changes to Toledo, who is singing about how all black people came from different tribes in Africa, and how they're all different ingredients, but in America, they're all different parts of this, of different tribes, and so they're like a stew. Mm-hmm. You know, this group's the meat, this group's the carrots, this group's the, the peas, or whatever. Well, I guess not peas, since black people hate peas.
1: <laughs> At least I do, least and most of, most of the folks I know hate peas. Well, I'm not a huge fan of them either, but... <laughs> I don't know... <laughs> I, I do not know anyone in my circle who will eat peas willingly. <laughs> Kay picks peas out of fried rice. I will pick peas out of fried rice. They don't go there. Why are they... In- what British nonsense it's... is this shit? Oh, it probably is that. It probably is that. I think they're it's... the ones that <laughs> <laughs> they brought peas over. It's to trick you. You see green and you go, oh, it's healthy. When I saw peas in jollof rice, I got so mm-hmm. mad. I was like... That's a colonizer sprinkle. What the fuck? <laughs> colonizer sprinkle! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Oh. You know there there needs to be a there needs to be a t shirt that's what kind of colonizer bullshit is this?
1: Yeah, yeah, because it is. <laughs> Who the fuck puts peas and jollof rice? Okay. <laughs> Jesus so, Christ. Yeah, so they're gross.
0: <laughs> Black people in America are the African stew, <laughs> mm-hmm. but more to the point, the leftover colored people in this period are the leftovers. Toledo mm-hmm. ponders what the colored man is going to do with himself in America first things first he's got to know that he is a leftover which mm-hmm. it's it's a really i remember watching that scene and the way that he delivers it you could tell you know at least from the writing you know because i and I know it's not a yeah he wasn't the person historically was a real person but maybe the conversation and stuff like that mm-hmm. is is a little uh, uh embellished but the the cultural philosophy behind it yeah. i think is is very powerful but it's also a it's kind of kind of a kick you know mm-hmm. it's kind of a kick to your soul uh, mm-hmm. me trying to empath- me trying to come from the perspective of a photo negative version of myself uh in that time period being told that you're a leftover mm-hmm. but he's saying that before we can make things better for ourselves we have to realize what we are and then we can go from there mm-hmm. and i think it's a bit of that kind of uh kind of kind of the issue that we have in america right now is like we have to we have to address our past we have Mm -hmm. to address it with an objective fact-based reality absolutely and then what can we do and then move Mm -hmm. from there that's and i kind of feel like that's the same thing that he's kind of saying
1: yeah yeah and that was a beautiful description of being part of the diaspora too. Yeah, it's cuz I mean, you've watched me struggling when I try to it's why I don't have as much of an interest in like doing family tree shit because you
0: hit, there's a certain point I you hit, hit it a point and, it's, and it's
1: like you yeah, it's cargo lists mm-hmm. like you've said. Yeah, I'm I after I hit a point it's a list of x amount of slaves in the back of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. know which one <laughs> yeah exactly and it's 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 ho- <sighs> it's it's why i get kind of mad at folks who have said things like i don't get why you harp about generational wealth or i don't get why you're saying that you know it's you that that things are still so hard martin luther king happened well oh, no <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, uh. <laughs> Uh, so... You can tell where your last name came from. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So,
0: comedian, mm-hmm. comedian Christopher Titus has yeah. a, a great bit in one of his specials where he's taught to te- trying to educate his daughter about the shit that white people have done to natives and to black people, and he's talking about, oh, "I pay for your your private school. Why the fuck aren't they teaching you this there?" But he makes the comment that the way it's it's taught in American schools, it's basically like we had slaves. Then Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. Yay! Good job, white guy. Yeah. Kind of thing. And it's just, it's, yes, yes, white people fixed it. It's like...
1: White savior.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it's incredibly frustrating. And it's like, if only that were the case. Mm -hmm. If only that were actually the case. And it was a hundred plus years ago. And everything's been fine since then. Mm -hmm. You know?
1: If there had been actual (laughs) reparations. Yeah. but 50 acres and a mule, you know? <laughs> 40. 40 acres and a mule. I'm at this point, though, with interest.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: okay. I think Kay and I will hop down off of our revolutionary soapbox at least for just a couple minutes. Start sharpening the
1: guillotines. Oh my god, seriously. <laughs> F- I'm only half kidding. Goddamn
2: turtle.
0: Piece He's of shit. He's not piece of shit goddamn ghoul of a turtle
2: Mm. okay
0: uh scene (sighs) changes (laughs) we get the bustle of the streets for just a moment as we see Irv shutting all the blinds and closing all the curtains Cutler corners Irv to tell him that Sylvester can't do the part because he stutters the scene changes again to the actual recording and the producers are like play this song first and Ma is like no I'm doing black bottom first They're like, okay, we'll do that first. And then Ma tells Sylvester, and then they tell Ma that Sylvester can't do the part because he stutters. And Ma is like, I don't care what anyone else says. We're doing this my way or I'll leave. And everyone caves to Ma because her magic is going to bring them the Benjamins. As they start to give Sylvester a few tries, Ma is like, I can't sing without my Coke. Where's my Coca-Cola? And Irv is all,
2: shit.
0: I forgot.
1: I'm sorry.
0: I'll get you a, a writer.
1: <laughs> Huh? Oh, uh, so musicians will ha- often have a writer of what has to be provided in order for them to perform. I think it, uh, it was some musician that like they could only have M&Ms, but it was either all of the brown or all of the blue ones had to be picked out before they could have them. Um, and... Like some of them will hide it in the contract to see if the people actually read the writer and stuff, and I could see that as a
0: test to be like, do they
1: actually pay attention? Mm-hmm. But I I would not want to work with somebody who was that picky, and it's it's a common like sometimes writers can be as simple as hey. I have a raspberry allergy. Don't put any fucking raspberries back here. Yeah, that, that's reasonable. Or it can be, which I guess that's less of a rider and more of a medical thing. Um, I hate the color fuchsia. I yeah, don't want any yeah. fuchsia anywhere in the
0: recording studio, in my dressing room. It's so help you. Dear God, mm-hmm. if I see any fuchsia, I'm going to the... Neighboring recording studio.
1: Yeah, or things like my dog has to be in the recording studio <laughs> with me. I mean, that would be us. That would be us. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, that's that's like, a writer can be anything that's innocuous to really fucking nitpicking, so, like I, pick out all the M&Ms or it could be where as, the fuck is my Coke. <laughs> it could be yeah, something as simple as like, I would like a bottle of water and a Coke so mm-hmm. that I can have, you know, something I sweet. can have some some water, and then I can have something to pick me up, because it has cocaine in it right now, because oh, it's the 20s. Right. Well, that's right. It's medicinal at this point. That's what coke is. It's it's a medicine. Mama needs her fix before she can sing. Which, you know, fun fact, Coca-Cola still is the only uh, company allowed to import coca leaves. Yep, coca leaves. Yep. But, you know... I mean, they they and, take all the, the cocaine co- out of it now, but those were the days those were the days i would sing the bit from damn yankees but my lungs are screaming at me right now that's okay you don't need to
0: but yes ma is upset that her coca-cola is not there and irv is like shit i forgot i'm sorry i'll get you a coke but can we please just record this song first and ma freaks out being like you cheap bastard too cheap to buy me a coke i'll buy my own damn coke and she pulls a wad of cash from her sweaty cleavage and sends one of her minions and her nephew to go get some coke and whatever else the boys want just go get Bra some refreshments money. i just when 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 i saw her do that it just absolutely reminded me of when i was a cashier and you watch people pull I'm just like, look, I know, look, I get mm-hmm. I get it. If you're a well endowed woman, you've got some teddy pockets. You keep mm-hmm. your phone in there, you keep your keys in there, maybe you keep a can of soda for when you get thirsty, but then your body heat makes it warm. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you that's you keep, a non yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You keep your change in one cup, you keep your bills in the other cup. Look <laughs> hey, if I had if I had big old mammaries and had a bra, who knows what I would keep in there. But you know what? On a summer day, really fucking gross. It is disgusting to get a sweaty, damp bill from somebody. I don't want to touch
1: it. And it is incredibly not fair to your cashier. So when I was in Europe, uh, we the school that we went with uh, would be like, okay, make sure that you have a money belt and um, money hidden somewhere else. So I actually had a special pocket that I made for my bra that I had money in and no, then would pull it out but it was in a pocket see, it wasn't exactly, like pressed up to exactly. my boot. exactly I love you for Cause... the fact that you put a pocket in there so that your money
0: was separated mm-hmm. from your sweaty body
1: yeah cuz it was it was one of those things where I also had a chain on my purse like a chain chain so if someone tried to grab it <laughs> so if someone tried to cut it then ah yes yeah cuz you don't you don't want a leather strap when you're traveling you want to have it be a proper chain um Damn, cut and then I had like secret pockets in there too. And I, because worst case scenario, travel guide was one of the greatest purchases as a child. <laughs> and I had all of those lessons. So even though they say get a money belt, I was like, I'll do you one better. I'm going to sew money pockets and pin money
0: pockets. Oh, God. Who was it we were listening to? They were talking about traveling to Brazil and the crime in Brazil is so out of control especially for tourists that they were talking about have a decoy wallet and have a decoy phone because you will get robbed mm-hmm. and give them the decoys otherwise you're gonna lose your stuff and this i think it was a i can't remember it it was a comedian or something they were talking about they had their decoy phone and uh it and they' they're like they didn't know what to expect and he said 18 minutes after i got out of the airport I, I got robbed at knife point kind of thing and i just gave him my, my phone and gave him my wallet, you know. And he's like, and the wallet had like a, just a few distraction bills basically in it, mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of money in it. But and he gave him the phone, and they said, Well, and so you knew, so, so what'd you do with the phone? He's like, Oh, it was full of dick pics. Like, I was just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, I downloaded as many dick pics as I could on that thing. So, you know, that they get the phone, they start going mm-hmm. through it. And, uh, but yeah, uh, that's kind of what that makes me think of a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, no, it, it... That was like going to Italy and France. They were saying, have, have some have some pockets, because it'll happen anywhere. I mean, there's always the prison wallet, but uh, please, for the love of God, don't ever give a cashier something from your prison wallet. No, no. It's unsanitary. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I, that's one thing that I'm very glad about with COVID is that people aren't using cash as much. Out of considering, it makes me happy. So uh, allow me to
0: correct you, my dear. Since I've been the one doing all the shopping this whole year, that is not true. No, it was. It was. I would say for like the first six months, but now people are using cash. No, people are bringing their own bags and stuff
1: like that. Damn it! So I mean, I as you can, you know, I've just been using plastic. Do I need to get a nose swab again? Are people rubbing? stuff around and now we need to make sure i'm not gonna die
0: eh, i mean i wash <laughs> my hands and and stuff and i don't I you're, you're okay I don't,
1: I don't know you're sick currently so maybe you're not okay i don't know <laughs> so this may be the last episode of tone deaf we'll no! see <laughs> we'll record like 50 episodes in the next week Ugh, oh,
0: god i don't think we could do that i don't think we could physically do that i don't think there's enough hours in the day even if we stood up stayed up all night and said, screw work. <laughs> uh, Kay's gonna die. We gotta get our backlog filled up. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> this episode is rife with tangents. It's
1: cause it hurts. It hurts cause I'm trying not to think about how much this made me miss Chadwick. Right. Like, he, I didn't so know he this. could sing. He was so he good in this. And he could sing. What the fuck? See, my biggest thing is
0: does he sing in this?
1: Yeah, he sang little bits. Well, yeah, I mean, just little bits. He didn't which, do full-on which songs. Which showed so that you could... But, like, he sounded good just doing those yeah. little bits, and it's like, Motherfucker! Uh, it just, <laughs> we could have had a Black Panther musical! Oh, that would have been...
0: I just... It would have been
1: better than Spider-Man.
0: I mostly am... Anything is better than Spider-Man. Um, I mostly am just still the guy with a fucking amazing actor. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing a actor, an amazing human person. being. Just, the good die young, and shitty people stay in the Senate forever.
1: Uh, okay, um... Ah, fuck that turtle. Oh, that's not too bad.
0: You know what? It almost kind of looks like the sound wave is giving you the AOK symbol,
1: but
2: uh, that's now been incorporated by Nazis. That symbol's
1: gone. So. Gonna have to reverse it or something. Make it not have that symbol.
0: Make it be... No, no you, you do it with your pinky now. Yes. I don't know. I. Okay. Uh. Getting back on track. Oh, <laughs> fuck Nazis. <laughs> so, after Ma... Yes, also, fuck Nazis. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, after Mel, or Ma... Gets upset about not having a Coke, and she pulls out her titty money and sends her nephew and and her minion down to get some beverages. Mel comes down, all pissed off at this diva, and Irv stops him, doing the white man mind link, going, Be patient, think of the money! And they calm down, and they take five so that Ma can get her Coke. Mm. As people file out of the room, Ma tells Cutler to hang back so she can yell at him, and she does. Ma's very upset that they told Irv and Sylvester uh, that he. Ma's very upset that they told Irv that Sylvester can't do the part because he stutters. And she tells him to find someone to replace Levy because he's nothing but trouble. Dessie Mae is hanging around and uh, Ma yells at her saying that she's in the way. Dessie Mae gets uh, upset and leaves with her full pouty face. Big
1: mistake.
0: Cut two very angering scene as Sylvester and Maz Minion go into the store to get stuff and it's full of angry white men who give racist angry white man stares at the two of them mm. who then seem to turn and leave but we don't quite see that happen so I hope they're okay spoilers yes they are they're fine mm-hmm. uh, but just that, that I hated that like they just mm-hmm. want to go into the store and exchange money for goods yep. you know capitalism Uh and as soon as they open the door they're the only two black guys and they just see a room full of smoking angry white men who look at them, and you could just see it on their faces Mm -hmm. just what are you doing here Uh and it's just
1: uh Uh so they leave the room uh the scene (laughs) those are all characters like the actors themselves are doing a good job but the way that they portray the characters you know that they say the n-word in casual use (laughs) Oh, Those the, characters. The characters. Do. Oh, absolutely. Those characters. say well, it. Mean, that was the thing. It was on it their just faces. It rolls off. The it was on, it was
0: on their faces. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, they're too comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's not that they're too comfortable. It's that they're <clears throat> racist assholes. Yeah. White supremacy. They're comfortable
1: in their racism.
0: Yeah, because mm-hmm. because they're they're white people mm-hmm. and white people are the best people. <laughs> the scene changes to Levy in the other room. Writing and rehearsing his song that he already gave away to Mel, the con- the conniving, co- the conniving ass clown. <laughs> I am struggling. The conniving colonizing ass clown. Thank you, Kay. I am struggling. Dussy May is like. I just wanted to see what was in here, and tries to leave, but Levy the horn dog leaps into action <laughs> and is all, nah, stay, I'll show you a good time, cause Levy knows how to treat a woman. I'm gonna have my own band and be super awesome, and super awesome dudes like me need a super awesome woman like you. And the two flirt back and forth a bit. Back in the recording room, Ma Rainey is laying into Cutler about how, this is her shit, and people will listen to her. She will compromise on nothing, and if they don't like it, she'll leave. And Ma has a fair point as she launches into about how these white men don't care about them at all. Mm-hmm. All they want is her voice, and once they get that voice, oh, they're going to treat her like a whore and throw her away. Just watch. She knows what she's talking about. And it's... it's I... I i looked uh unfavorably upon ma because of her uh divaness. Ag- her divinous, her aggression her attitude her belittling of people mm-hmm. but then when it got to this point I had to check my own privilege and be like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. of course, she's a black artist. And they're just like, well, we want we want her recordings because we're going to make money. We mm-hmm. don't care about the we don't care about the occupant of this voice. We mm-hmm. just care about the voice mm-hmm. and the fact that people will pay money to have a recording of that voice. Mm-hmm. And so I had just a little bit of like fucking duh, Warren. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's all right. You eventually got there. <laughs> I will eventually get there. <laughs> I may not be a smart man, but I'm not a racist. Uh meanwhile, well, I guess it was,
1: nah, I don't know, there's plenty of dumb race.
0: Anyway, anyway, this... <laughs> Meanwhile, Levy is macking on Dusy May and asks if he can introduce his red rooster to her brown hen. <laughs> and then the two bone down. Mhm. Ma gets deep for a moment, talking about the importance of her music to her, how the blues help get her up in the morning. She takes that emptiness, and, emptiness inside of her and fills it up with something meaningful. Meanwhile, Levy is filling Dusty May with something, uh, or at least he would, but the boys are back with the Cokes and have come to let Levy know that his horn is needed. <laughs> Levy Blue Balls and all <laughs> rushes up to watch Ma Rainey drink a Coke before they record. It takes seven takes for Sylvester to get his intro correct, but once he does, they launch into Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So, <laughs> the way that um, when Levy is is schmoozing Dusty May, you know, mm-hmm. and how it goes into them actually having sex... It felt a little rapey, honestly. The uh-huh. way that she was gonna kind of leave, and then he kept like pulling her back, and then mm-hmm. he started kind of groping on her. That was she, an interesting direction choice. She was obviously into it; like mm-hmm. she she didn't tell him no at any point, but yeah. she, she did kind of like try to pull away a bit, and then he'd go for her some more, and then she'd be like, ah, you know, yeah. And then the the two of them are are, are boning down, and then that's when one of the guys comes in, and he goes to like open the door, but it won't open. Mm-hmm. And Like Levy. Ma's waiting for you, kind of thing. You just hear the two of them scrambling.
2: <laughs> kind of thing.
0: And uh, I <laughs> don't know if that would make his playing a little bit more difficult or a little bit, uh, I don't know, because he didn't get the full-on stress relief. I don't have balls, so I wouldn't know. Um, It's really annoying when you don't get a finish. I'll just say that, and you mm-hmm. can leave it in if you want.
1: I do don't understand that Yeah, feeling. when have you ever not been right? <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> so. Only
0: family member who listens. <laughs> they lunch into Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. The song is great, and while they're, and, uh, when they're done, a round of congratulations is in order. Except, I mm-hmm. guess, Sylvester's mic, uh, didn't record so they'll have to do it again or more likely another seven times ma loses her shit grabs her coat and
1: storms out mm-hmm. and they show that the mic was bitten through by rats where's the mic the, cable i yeah he says the mic the cable chewed up Which, why do you not
0: check that shit mm, i did amateurs i don't know uh, anyway
3: this, this is the <laughs> only
0: explanation for not Mm -hmm. Mel tries to say in his best big boy producer voice, if you leave, yeah, so as Ma Rainey is storming out because she's pissed off and upset, Mel, the the lumbering fuckhead, comes out into the office, and in his big, big boy producer voice, he goes, if you leave now, you're washed up, finished. And Irv is like, for Christ's sakes, Mel, and he chases after Ma, Mm -hmm. catching up with her, and begging her for 15 minutes for them to replace the mic cable for Sylvester. Irv is like, 15 minutes, Ma. These records are going to be huge. Hell, even Sylvester is going to be a star. Ma agrees to 15 minutes, and Irv rushes in all happy-happy, hearing money jingling in his head as he runs. Mm. Meanwhile, the band is trying to talk some sense into Levy, who they all noticed was eye-humping Dusty May during the recording. But they don't know that he was actually humping her not ten minutes ago. Levy tra- I mean, she
1: was on top, so <laughs> she the one that was humping
0: <laughs> God, That reminds me of the ending of the original Clerks. He's like, somebody raped her. What? She said she did all the work. Oh, no! She has sex with a dead guy in the bathroom. Oh my okay. God. Ah, oh! I
2: about that. Holy shit. Yeah.
0: So Levy tries to say that he didn't do anything more than ask Dusty Mae her name. And mm-hmm. the others are like, well, you had best not be asking her anything in front of Ma, or your feet will be scraping the street. Toledo tries to give life story to Levy, tries to give a life story to Levy about how he was also a fool at one point in his life. He fell in love with a woman, but she didn't love him back, and that made him a fool. Cutler is like, "No, you're not a fool, Toledo. A fool is someone who brings it on themselves, like Levy. Levy's a fool. Life was unfair to you, Toledo." Levy is like, "Life is shit. Carry it around in a bag. It ain't got no balls." Levy talks about how life is easy, but death is hard. Death will fuck you up. But life, you can rule over life if you have balls. Levy tries to tell them that when he becomes a big star, he'll make the white man respect him, just like Ma. Mm. Cutler tries to tell him that the white man doesn't respect Ma. They use her, just like they'll use Levy. Cutler tells the story of a Reverend Gates, a man who came up from Tallahassee to see his sister, found himself in a strange town, and while he was using the colored toilet, the train left. Mm. And as it started to get dark, the Reverend noticed a group of white men gathering. Mm. So the Reverend, not knowing what else to do, started walking down the train tracks. The Reverend gets assaulted by the group, who tear off his cross, tear up his Bible, and have him dance until they're bored of him. But before Mm. Cutler can finish the story, Levy comes in to ask a very logical, simple question, which I respect. If Reverend Gates was a man of God, why didn't God protect him and strike some of those crackers down with his lightning? Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree with Levy's point. Mm -hmm. Levy and Cutler go back and forth a bit, and tensions rise. As Levy tells Cutler that his God doesn't love black people, he never listens to black people, Levy says God hates black people. Uh, Cutler loses it and goes after Levy for blaspheming against his God. And as he's like, but that's my God you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's my God kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and you know, there, there's a bit of a scuffle. Everybody else uh, intervenes to pull the two of them apart. And Levy is like, let him let him go. Let him go kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the band pull the two apart and Levy pulls a knife, telling Cutler that he's going to give his God a chance to save him. Just like God saved his mom. And then the wound from early, from the earlier scene.
1: Chekhov's knife. Oh, God. I love you. I love you. I don't
0: like you very much at this particular nanosecond, but. You're welcome. Okay, I like you again. Uh, Uh, That
1: was the thought (laughs) as it happened. I was like, there's Chekhov's knife.
0: Uh, So the wound from earlier, the earlier scene with Levy talking about his mom, is opened even wider as Levy says that he heard his mom begging God to help her Mm -hmm. when she was being assaulted. Levy curses at God some more, telling God to go fuck himself, and then he breaks down. It is a very emotional scene.
1: Uh, it is some of the best acting I have ever seen. Uh, I, you ever. Know, I, I remember Jamie Foxx
0: talking about at, at I can't remember what awards show it was, but he, he made a comment that I took personally, even though it wasn't directed at me. Mm-hmm. But he makes a comment to the audience when he's accepting his award, and he says that that black people are the most talented people in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was thinking about in regards to that is, no matter, no matter where you're from in America, if you are part of a dis, disenfranchised group, you have already so much more hardship Mm -hmm. you know to just kind of talk about white privilege a little bit it's like i've had i've had my share of shit go wrong in my life but at the same time if i were to throw my troubles into a pile with other people i'd be Mm -hmm. pretty fucking quick to reach for my troubles again Mm -hmm. you know be like okay you guys can keep yours i'll hang Mm -hmm. on to these they suddenly don't look quite so bad yeah um and i i don't know a lot about chadwick's life but i think that like he he is such a goddamn good actor. Mm-hmm. I think he pulls from some
1: some yeah
0: either ancestral pain or what. Like, there is
1: some experiences that it's it's <sighs> you pull from. It's kind of ingrained in the culture, I would say and, a little bit, and ingrained in just the microaggressions and the, yeah and all of that. That it's like okay, this is in the database and acting is a wonderful way to let it explode out so that
0: has a bit of therapy too almost mm-hmm. man this show is gonna be a preview of black history and I won't be able to say fuck get them all out <laughs>
2: uh,
1: fuck 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 I don't wanna just curse for no Fuckity reason Fuck, fuck fuck
0: fuck hey 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 I'm the vulgar one, okay? You're, you're, you're stealing my shtick. Fuck, kitty, fuck, 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 fuck. Well then. <laughs> However, we're not left to dwell on the scene long as then we see the gang get back together to record another one of Ma's hits. The recording goes well and everyone shares congratulations for their skillful playing. All except Levy, who Ma mm-hmm. gives shit to for playing more notes than he was supposed to. Levy says that he knows what he was doing. He was playing the song the way he felt it. And Cutler tells him yet again, it's not about your music, it's about Ma's music. And Ma smirks as Levy is like, I know what I'm doing, and y'all can get off my back about it. Levy and Ma have a spat, and Ma fires Levy right there. Levy leaves the room in a rage and proceeds to pack up his shit. He tries to exit out the door that he's been fighting with all movie. Mm -hmm. He finally gets it open, and, uh... Okay, can you explain what the fuck that tiny room was because I, I don't even know how to explain it. <sighs> so
1: it's it's just this little brick, uh, not even a yard. like it's, it's it's about it's like a cell. It's almost a cell. Like, yeah, it's a small room. And I feel like that was a choice because he finally gets this door open and immediately hits a wall. Like, there's nothing for him to go through from that door. There's no way out. Can't even go up, because he's not a bird, he can't fly, he can't go up. And that's a little bit of foreshadowing for what's about to happen, because he just closed an opportunity behind him, thinks he's opening another one, and walks straight into a dead end.
0: You know, I didn't uh, look at it that deep initially, but mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Because initially I was just... Because throughout the course of the movie, while he's, you know, shooting the shit with the other band members, he'll periodically go over to this door and it just won't open. Like, he's mm-hmm. pull the latch, you know, maybe it's rusted or what, but it won't open. Mm-hmm. And then he finally, in all of his rage, gets this door open mm-hmm. and then it's in this walled off area and all you he, you look up and there's no roof over it it's open mm-hmm. sky and there's pipes and stuff and my dumbass isn't looking at it from a artistic foreshadowing or mm-hmm. anything like that I'm just sitting here going well that seems like a structural flaw like <laughs> it's- it's going to rain, and that rain's just going to seep into the rest <laughs> of the building because there's no drainage, obviously, there.
1: Like, what's the purpose of this structure? So, <laughs> And it's also like his rage gets him nowhere. Yeah. His rage, his unfocused rage
0: gets him nowhere. And what's interesting about that, too, as I'm extrapolating on it deeper, is it's, I, it's not even so much his rage, it is that he is a man overflowing with passion Mm
2: -hmm.
0: he's you know he's passion for women passion for music passion for his dream to to Mm -hmm. to be somebody big
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: the problem with passion is that if you don't if you don't keep a leash on it you're Mm -hmm. i mean and you know this with me yeah because you know when when if we have if we're out in the world and something like Racial happens, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, my fuse is incredibly fucking
2: small. It's very much it's, like, a
0: babe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, there have been a couple times that, like, I'm like, am I gonna? Yeah, yeah. But Kay has to be like, okay, Kay has to be like, reel it in. It's okay, mm-hmm. like it's fine, whatever, you know, kind of thing. Um, um, and I think that's that's Levy's issue too. Is he's got so much passion, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really have direction, and he's not the master of his own emotions. Yeah. So whatever he is feeling, whatever he's doing, he is doing it a hundred percent. You know? Yes. When he's trying to get into Dussie May's pants, he's doing it a hundred percent. When mm-hmm. he is playing his music, he's doing it a hundred percent. When he's kissing up to the white man, he's doing it a hundred percent. When he mm-hmm. is pissed off that
1: things aren't going his way, he is doing it a hundred percent. Yes. And uh, And that way that Chadwick does that scene. God, he's was... so good. And that's the thing, too, is that every single scene, there is not a weak moment with him. No. He was fucking brilliant. It's... Ah. Uh,
0: fuck. Huh. Yeah,
1: we we have
0: absolutely lost a AAA powerhouse before mm-hmm. their time. Yep. And absolutely. I don't care what people say. You go when you go. No.
1: Fuck that. I... I, I no. hmm Now I've <sighs> been... I've been dealing with that grief since it happened. I have not been right since then. Yeah, it, it, it definitely has its peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. This has definitely been,
0: watching this has definitely been a peaking moment for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <sighs> Anyways, thanks Kay for helping me think You're about welcome. the subject
1: deeper. You're welcome. And That's stirring up I'm all those emotions for. in both of us. Yes, I... (laughs) Fucking curse of the witch, man. Yeah, a little Uh... bit.
0: Anyways, Irv gets stopped in the hall by Cutler, who is like, We want our money. In cash. No checks. And Irv is like, I'll do my best. Irv then goes to tell Ma that they'll give uh, 25 of her 200 to Sylvester. And Ma is like, no, he gets paid just like everyone else. And she breaks Irv's balls and tells him to go back and tell Mel that Sylvester gets his money that he earned just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Irv leaves, and moments later Mel comes back in, cash in hand, pays Ma and Sylvester, insisting that it was... All just a mistake, a misunderstanding. Mm. And Ma's like, nah, the only mistake is you didn't have me sign the release papers yet. And then Ma stomps off,
2: mm-hmm. followed by
0: Irv, who is like, sign the papers, Ma, sign the papers. And Irv chases Ma out into the street where her car is waiting. She inspects it and asks for the keys, all while Irv is begging for her to sign these release forms. Ma tells him to have them mailed to her and she'll get around to it. Mm-hmm. Irv convinces her to sign the papers, and Ma tells Irv that if Mel doesn't watch it, she'll take her voice and record elsewhere. She then gets in her car along with Dussy May and Sylvester, and they leave.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I so I didn't put it down in my notes, but I want to talk about it. So it, it's meanwhile it cuts to the basement of Misfit Musicians, and uh, that was actually quite. That was pretty. I clever. thought it was funny when I said basement of Misfit
1: <laughs> Musicians, and no one laughed. So. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still feeling my emotions. <laughs> I know. I'm, and your emotions. And Jesus my emotions. Jesus Christ. Uh, fucking witch. Sorry about that. It's okay. But it's, you know, when they're sitting in
0: the basement waiting to get... I keep calling it a basement. I don't even know if it's a fucking basement. Anyway. It, it's downstairs. Yeah. It's the
1: It's the practice room.
0: But anyway, the, the music, musicians are sitting down there talking um, after the Irvin Ma situation happens. So when they're sitting in the basement, uh, they're talking about, and it, it's Cutler who's talking about, it better not be no check. I mean, I don't want no check. Last time I got paid in a check, had to you know, drive around, We had to go to 20 banks looking to mm-hmm. cash it because as soon as they see a black man with a check, they think we stole it. Yep. Kind of thing. And that was something, that was another moment of like... I didn't even think about that, you Mm -hmm. know, just like, so yeah, of course they're like, we want cash because then we don't have to worry about dealing with racist Mm -hmm. bank tellers going, how did you get this check, black man?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a cultural thing there. It's a cultural thing and, or them purposefully giving you bad checks or things like that like or do yeah doing something that'll
0: that'll mm. prevent you from being able to cash it. oh it's not signed on the back yeah or, yeah you know, or whatever yeah so it's... yeah okay but yeah so um it's when they're sitting in the basement the mail comes in to pay the rest of the of the band 25 a piece for their playing he tells them that he'll have them back in real soon to play some more and make some more after everyone gets paid, Levy chases Mel out into the hall, inquiring about the songs he handed him. Mel is all, oh, oh yeah, well, about that, I just, I don't think they'll sell. But I'll pay you five dollars for them, and any mm. other songs you write. And it's, I'm going to pause right here on this because I want to talk about that scene, because it is it is soul crushing mm-hmm. because Levy mm-hmm. Levy is like because Mel basically tells him, "Oh yeah, I had some other people play your songs. They just don't sound very good. I don't think that they're gonna sell. You know, they're they're just there's nothing there." Mm-hmm. He's and and Levy is like, "No, but you know, you said you'd let me record them. Like, you gotta let me play my songs. Like, mm-hmm. like, like come on, like I got I, I got." a uh, band lined up i got some boys who really know how to play like mm-hmm. we'll get you some good recordings kind of thing like he's just really pleading his case and mel's just like nah
2: nah yeah nah,
0: i'm not gonna do that but he's like but i'll tell you what you know, I'll, I'll give you five dollars for him any other songs you write i'll give you five dollars for those two kind of thing and and just the, yeah. the look the look you see the soul leave levy's eyes mm-hmm. when that happens and When Levy comes back into the room, he is very, very, very upset. Like you just, the the horseshoe frown on this guy. Mm -hmm. Like you just, all of his dreams have just been crushed. He was yeah. He was betting. He was betting the farm on being able to record his songs, Mm -hmm. do a powerhouse performance, Mm -hmm. and convince this white guy that Levy
1: was going to be another meal ticket. You know, that he was going to. Yeah. So and he have got that, you've almost got like the ticking of a time bomb in this moment. You, the way that he acts this. Well that's the thing the way that, that he act that Chadwick acts this scene with
0: Levy looking at his eyes it was one of those things of like oh that's a man on the brink that's mm-hmm. a man, that's a man whose fuse is lit mm-hmm. and he is waiting for an excuse to go off because he's got just oh man ugh. Yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's hard it's so hard. And This shit happened. Mm -hmm. This shit happened all the time. All the time. And, you know, you can make the argument of, oh, well, what about Tin Pan Alley? Cole Porter still had his name attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. There you
0: go. He
1: didn't have, you know, it wasn't credited to somebody else Mm kind of thing. Because you can guarantee that uh, what happens later is not credited to Levy. You can guarantee (sighs) that so yeah, Levy
0: is very very upset and he sits down on a bench and uh, Toledo comes over to the lockers that are behind uh, Levy and I, and Toledo accidentally steps on Levy's shoe Levy freaks the fuck out going mm-hmm. on and on about how he stepped on his shoe with his clod hoppers and what is he gonna do to make it right and Toledo is just like I said I was sorry, and if you can't accept that, then to hell with you. Mm -hmm. And as Toledo turns around, Levy fucking stabs him in Mm -hmm. the back, and he looks at Cutter while he's got this knife in Toledo, telling Cutter, he stepped on my shoe, he stepped on my shoe. And then Levy tries to help Toledo, tries to prop him up, but he falls down, and Toledo dies in Levy's arms, while the others are just plastered to the wall in disbelief like
2: what the fuck
0: mm-hmm. and levy looks into toledo's eyes and he tells him don't look at me like that don't look at me like that and like it's
2: mm-hmm. it,
0: it it is it is the scene of a man who has snapped
2: mm-hmm. because
0: like toledo turns around levy comes out and he just oh he stepped on my shoes you know and he, he's got one hand on him pushing him into the knife as the other hand's pushing into toledo and toledo's an old guy you know. Yeah. i would say like conservatively he might be in his 60s yeah. you know it, for the time period and everything and then Toledo just kind of like falls back and you know there's blood and the others are just like holy shit and Levy's just like he stepped on my shoes you saw him you saw me stepped on my shoes he did it on purpose mm-hmm. and and then like when and then you have this moment he has this moment of clarity he realizes he comes back he comes back to it to himself exactly and he realizes oh my god like what did Mm i you know i that's the thing even though he realizes that he stabbed him that he's murdered him he like is also not quite there yeah then he's just also like because then he's like oh i'll help you toledo like i'll I'll help you you know he's trying to like Mm -hmm. prop him up but you know dead weight kind of thing and so he sinks down to the ground holding toledo and then toledo Mm -hmm. like you know flops over and he's just got the dead stare and that's when he's just like, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. And it's mm-hmm. just like, "Who? Yeah, yeah. Whoo. It's, it's, and I did... <sighs> and then the goddamn scene changes mm-hmm. to Mel having a band of white guys playing mm-hmm. Levy's song. With the least
1: amount of soul possible. Yeah, it's, it's like... 20s lounge music, you know? Not even that. Lounge music at least has something in it. Some well, little, substance. Well, it's then like again, a fucking school
0: band. I, I guess lounge is inaccurate because me, musically challenged, mm. I'm probably using it incorrectly. Because, yeah, it's it's played it's played very it's vanilla. It's like they're just reading the sheet music straight up. Yeah, it's not played with any passion.
1: You can have my jelly roll. That's... The, yeah. It's... It's... There's nothing. It's soulless. Yeah, there's
0: yeah, there's nothing to it. It's 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 they're they're people reading somebody else's work. They have no vested interest in it, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that's the the thing. So they're playing Levy's song that uh, Mel had promised to let Levy record, showing how fucking swindling the guy out of his sweat and blood drove him into a psychosis where he stabbed an old man, overstepping on his shoes.
1: hmm
2: Fuck,
1: man, just fuck. Mm-hmm. Dark ending. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Welcome to August Wilson.
0: And then the credits roll. Mm-hmm. And we see photos of the real Ma Rainey and mm-hmm. photos of her with her band and a photo of the band playing all while what I assume is an original surviving record recording playing in the background. Yes. The end.
1: Yep. And a beautiful tribute to Chadwick. Yeah, very, there.
0: very nice tribute to Chadwick mm-hmm. in it. And I was just, I was not prepared mm-hmm. for that ending. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I think I was going into it way too naive. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah, I wasn't expecting Levy to stab Toledo mm-hmm. for one. I was. I, uh, yeah, that hurt, man. Yeah. But the sh- like, uh, this is one of those... Sh- if it wasn't for our podcast, this is mm. the kind of thing that I probably wouldn't necessarily watch because mm-hmm. my always go-to excuse is, oh, well, it looks too real. Yeah. It looks like it's, it, it's, it's dealing with too real of issues. Mm-hmm. That's why my media of choice is science fiction and fantasy. Yeah. Give me orcs and goblins and dragons <laughs> and aliens <laughs> and robots because I don't want to deal with the real world because <laughs> mm-hmm. the real world fucking sucks and it makes me ferments and foam into a murderous hate-filled rage mm-hmm. because I can't do anything to fix all the injustice in this blue flaming garbage
1: fire
2: mm-hmm.
1: <sighs> but you made it I made it <laughs> 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 and uh yeah it. man I wish <sighs> I could say it gets easier but it doesn't <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, there, <clears throat> there, there's a, there's plenty of pain, but there's also plenty of joy. And yeah. you kind of have to balance out. You have to take the pain with the joy for the full... Well, it's
0: yin-yang. If you don't yeah. have pain, you can't appreciate joy. Yeah. If you don't have dark, you can't appreciate light. If Gotta have the have...
1: cranberry juice and the twisted tea. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Oh. I saw I saw a yin yang meme that had that and it made me laugh because it was on Facebook like four days after the Twisted Tea incident had oh happened god. it finally hit Facebook and I'm just like I love ah. that video <sighs> oh my god I I listened to a Dr. Dre remix with it <laughs> I listened to a Dave Matthews band <laughs> remix with it I think if
0: I'd have been in that convenience <laughs> store I would have just started slow clapping <laughs> Paid for that man's groceries. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, man, let me buy you a drink. <laughs> you did something I don't have the balls to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's oh. uh, it, it it's it's one of those things where August Wilson's plays I love them to death, but dear God, some of them hurt, and this is one of them that just. Ooh, punch to the heart. It, yeah, it's it's. But this was so well done. It was so well acted. It was so well directed. So well produced. It was
0: well done on all fronts. Yeah, like
1: that's that's the thing, and that's why you
0: know it. it it'd be one thing if it was shitty, and I'd be like, meh, you know, mm. it didn't make me feel
1: anything. But that's the reason it you know makes mm. me feel, and it just just yeah. Uh, and there was enough music in it for it to classify technically <laughs> as a musical for us, so And I mean <laughs> you know, it's about music and it's about yeah, bands, yeah. So we can work so, it in there. It kinda works. Kinda.
0: And it'll be a precursor to the gauntlet of black history month Which, that will be
1: I'm not doing as many episodes this year. We've already talked about it be- or this upcoming year because uh Thank you for listening to the White Man. Yes. Yes. The 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 that was three a week was a mistake. Yes, won't do that again. I mean, they were shorter episodes, but you researched
0: your ass off. You did so much stuff that we haven't posted because you did
1: readings of, of yeah. Plays I still and stuff need like to look that. into getting rights to those. You so should that... because our yeah. wonderful
0: listeners deserve to hear you reading these very powerful
1: and impactful plays. And losing my shit at Rachel. Uh... <laughs> So, <laughs> want to hear Kay have a breakdown? Listen to them read Rachel. So, Kay. Yes. This is our last show of the year. This is our last this show our of the last
0: year. last show of 2020. Yes. And we're
1: ending on a kick to the nuts. Yes, we are. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll do like a mini episode and watch the Rudolph's Happy New Year and it won't count as... An episode, because episode one hundred is going to be the Warrens. <laughs> and then you can watch Rudolph's Shiny New Year, and we can laugh about how weird that one is.
2: As a minisode.
1: Because that's a New Year's musical. And it's weird as balls. That's with the New Year's baby, right? Mm-hmm.
0: I have, I have one or two brain cells
1: that
2: remember it. That's <laughs> the weirdest
1: shit. Maybe maybe we'll do that and just post a quick like mini episode on New Year's Day and I'll throw it together and be like here <laughs> here's look at the keys look at the keys look at the keys <laughs> so that is to be
0: determined don't hold your breath listeners we'll see we'll see
1: if if, if my lungs let me we'll do it if not then we'll see you in late January Yes, so for, for the Warrens.
0: So for listeners who uh, have not been with us uh, through last year as well, Kay and I will be taking the month of January off mm-hmm. uh, and we will be bringing you a, well, I should say, I will be bringing you yes. the 2020 recap in the second annual Warrens Awards. Uh, They'll be coming to you January, the last week of January before mm-hmm. Kay... Graces your ear holes with Black History Month round two.
1: Yes, and uh, those will be uh, rated PG. I'm not gonna say G because little bitty babies probably shouldn't listen. But... If you if you
0: want to make it G, you have to have me not talk. Like <laughs> that is that is the only way that it's gonna be G. There
1: there won't be as many inappropriate. There will be like. <laughs> It'll be animaniacs level inappropriate jokes. There, there, there might but... <laughs> be
0: there might be some innuendos, but even then, I have to be careful. Yeah, yeah. So, but yes, but yes, I have to be on my best behavior because Kay wants uh, the Black History Month episodes to be u- usable in a classroom for yes. education purposes. Yes. And I, Warren, am not usable in a classroom
1: <laughs> for profanity reasons. So. <laughs> Oh my hell! <laughs> Thank you all so much <sighs> for listening throughout this year and we made it supporting another year. Us. We made it another year. Season two of Tone. Season Def. two of Tone Deaf. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Um, we've got a tired dog right behind us. Who's yes. like? Why are you at the stupid box? Why are you still in the stupid box? You got off work early. What? Why? <laughs> Why? All is stupid box. All this stupid box. Give me another cookie box. <laughs> You still didn't open one of your Christmas cookie boxes. Oh, well, I mean, that's the the box that has her uh, toys in it. Yeah, that you didn't open because you got full. (laughs) She's like, don't shame me, Mom. Don't box shame me. But thank you all so much for listening. Um, We truly appreciate it. We truly appreciate y'all. For this whole year. Thank you so much for your continued support. Yes, please have a safe New Year's. Uh, try to stay, try to stay distant, y'all. I know that it's hard, but we gotta see you next year too, so, and gotta see you at the end of the year. You gotta know what shenanigans we get up to, so <laughs> stay safe. So thank you all so much again for yes. listening
0: to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to K and I, you can do so at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There we have links to our social medias. We have our Instagrams, our Twitters, our Facebooks, as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server where we have our own safe, our own not safe for work channel. <laughs> it is
1: not safe you for work.
0: Come in, say hi, talk about musical theater, just shoot the shit, or talk about whatever. Post uh, pictures of your dog. Post pictures of your animal, and we'll tell you how cute they are. And if you'd like to support us further, you can go to Patreon, which is also Tone Deaf Musical. Mm-hmm. And there we have multiple tiers, as well as some bonus episodes. And, uh, you know, I will say let's have some some positivity, some thoughts mm-hmm. and prayers, and let's hope that 2021... Yes. Is the beginning of hopefully turning the corner on some of this ugliness, and yes. hopefully we can start to have a positive outlook on the future. Absolutely, and everybody.
1: And one hang last in there. little bit of housekeeping, um, because if 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 you want to help out in a way that's not it, like doesn't cost any money because times are tight, hop onto iTunes, hop onto PodChaser, do a five star review. Just say. Tony Tony won. T O N E Y T O N E Y One. I get it. <laughs> uh! <laughs> but yeah, you can do that because uh, it just it does help out the podcast. But as as you were saying, I don't want to sound like I'm just numbers minded. Uh, but no, seriously. We, we love all of you. We want you to stay safe. We want you to stay healthy as much as you can. Um, and just just you know provide some positivity to people around you too. like it, it's it's been a shitty year. It's been hell. Let's try to make ne- we're not gonna say anything like, oh next year's gonna be our year because we're not putting that out in the universe. But make next year better. Make next year livable. Because that's what we can do. And just, you know, say nice things to your friends. Say nice things to your family. Uh, Try to keep... Say nice things to yourself, too. That's a very good point, Kay. Self-love is
0: very hard. Yes. And especially in a year that is... Very difficult and mm-hmm. very isolation, isolated for mm-hmm. a lot of people.
1: Uh, remember to be kind to yourself. Yes, please. Please take care of yourselves. Uh, we may see y'all before the Warrens, but if not, we'll see you end of January. Everything... Unless-
0: according to Kay everything from now until the Warrens will be bonus episodes if yes, we do anything because yes. Kay is very insistent that the Warrens round two is episode I, 100 I do
1: not count bonus episodes in the episode count I don't care what iTunes says Kay's putting a lot of pressure on me guys <laughs> the Warrens is episode 100 I gotta, I gotta try and make the Warrens super good this year luckily no audience inside the house <laughs> so good <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you all. We love you. Please stay safe. That'll be it for this year. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone, Tone Death. Death. Look at that dog. Look dog. at that dog. She's a cutie girl. a cutie girl. Her nose twitched. Oh, did her nose? Her nose twitch? and her eyes open. <laughs>